The pile of suitcases in front of the pulpit during the season of Lent are meant to symbolize baggage that we're to let go and leave behind. For some of us, every day begins with waiting a baggage claim to load up our cart. The baggage carousel isn't at BWI, it's in our minds. The bags we lug around and carry on our shoulders and drag along aren't made of leather. They're made of burdens that weigh us down. By God's grace, we've named some of them and we've been letting them go during this whole season of Lent. The matched suitcases of worry and anxiety, the trunk of shame, the backpack of regret, the briefcase of envy, and with today's message, the burden our text this morning addresses directly, Lord willing, we will leave behind the most burdensome of them all. It's the one we never lit out of our sight at the airport or at home or wherever we go. It's the carry-on bag of works righteousness, a.k.a. legalism. That age-old burden of, uh, that age-old burden that obedience to law, not faith in God's grace, is preeminent in the principle of redemption. Works righteousness is trying to work our way to heaven, trying to earn God's favor, jumping through hoops to get right with God. It's a burden Christians are prone to carry all their lives. For years and years, we can hear the message of God's grace over and over again, but that bag is never far away. And it often leads us to carrying the burdens of others. Do you carry that burden? Did you drag that into church this morning? It's time to let go. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Legalism is precisely the burden he's talking about here in this verse. It's been the theme of all of Lent. Now let's consider for a moment the context. And if you've closed your Bible, please open it up again to Matthew 11 to look at the context Just prior to this passage, Jesus denounces all the cities of Galilee that had not repented. These were the cities, Matthew records, these were the cities where Jesus performed all of his miracles, his miraculous works, yet they refused to repent. Why? Well, Jesus gives a profoundly theological answer in verses 25 to 27, but before we get there, the context is his mighty works in that place of Galilee seem to be canceled out by the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, who are misleading people with teachings of legalism, training people to do their own works of righteousness. Time and again, as you look through Scripture, as you look through the New Testament, Jesus confronts these arrogant blowhards for heaping all kinds of religious nonsense on people. Look with me at Luke chapter 11, verse 46. Jesus says, Woe to you lawyers, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with your own finger. The religious elite had set rules and and regulations like a fence around the Torah, God's, God's great gift of his law, his commandments, his precepts for life, and they set upon rule upon rule, man-made laws, forcing people to obey and to behave. 
Look again at Matthew chapter 23, verse 1 to 4. Jesus takes this message directly to his sheep. He says, uh, he says to the crowd, Jesus says to the crowd and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. Have you ever heard the saying, practice what you preach? Right from the lips of Jesus. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Those who labor, those who are heavy laden, are people oppressed under the crushing weight of legalism, trying to urge salvation by good work, straining to be good enough for God. At best, the result is painful uncertainty, but more often something far worse, namely clutching fear, anxiety, worry, regret, envy, shame, all of the baggage that we've looked at throughout Lent is tied to this one, self-righteous legalism. Despite the resistance, despite the unbelief, Jesus can still praise the Father for his will is being worked out, listen, both in those who receive and in those who reject the gospel. Nothing is out of God's sovereign control. I said a moment ago, Jesus gives a profoundly theological answer of why the people rejected his gracious invitation. His prayer that explains this is both beautiful and mysterious. Look at, look at verse 25 to 27. And in this prayer, Jesus reveals spiritual realities, he says, that are hidden to the wise, those swollen with pride, but accepted by those with childlike faith. In verse 27, he says, all things necessary to carry out his ministry, including choosing to whom he, it will be revealed, have been delegated to Christ. So verse 27 says, all things, all things have been given, have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You see, this isn't only about the relationship between father and son. It's also about the mystery and the beauty of election. That some believe and others do not believe the gospel can be described from God's perspective as God concealing or revealing the truth of the message. Either way, God is sovereign. God is sovereign over belief and unbelief. Now, if you're troubled by that fact, if you're troubled by the fact that sovereign grace determines who receives saving revelation, keep in mind that Jesus' words immediately following this are followed by an all-inclusive invitation in verse 28. So God is sovereign in election, and God issues an open invitation we must affirm both truths despite the difficulty in harmonizing them. 
And what does he offer? Rest. Rest for your souls. Salvation. Throughout the Old and New Testament, rest is always a symbol of salvation that comes from the Lord. Anyone who tries to achieve salvation by means of his or her own exertion will wear out. But look at Hebrews 4, verse 3. It says, we who have believed entered that rest. Parents, I wish I had put that down as the memory verse this week, so write that down. Memorize that this week with your kids. Hebrews 4, verse 3. We who have believed entered that rest. Again, Romans chapter 4, verse 5 says, To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Brandon Manning, one of my most favorite authors, writer of one of my most favorite impactful books, The Ragmuffin Gospel, puts it this way. He says, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. The gospel also reminds us that our righteous standing with God always holds firm regardless of performance because our standing is based solely on the works of Jesus and not our own works. So on my worst day, and I've had a few, on my worst day of sin and failure, the gospel encourages me with God's unrelenting grace. God won't let go of me. He won't leave me alone even when I fail and trip and fall. And on my best days of victory and usefulness, when I'm walking around, oh God, great things are happening. The gospel keeps me relating to God solely on the basis of Jesus' righteousness and not mine. There's nothing to be puffed up and proud about. Something good happens, oh God, thank you for working through me. The gospel is absurd. The gospel is absurd. Being a Christ follower is meaningless. It's meaningless. Unless we believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again, but for one purpose, to redeem us, to do something we could not do on our own. Not to make people with better morals, but to create a community of redeemed men and women who surrender to the Father's will, who live in ever greater fidelity to the Word of God, who trust Christ, whose hearts are aflamed with the Spirit that consumes, purifies, and sets everything aglow with peace, joy, boldness, and extravagant love, and extravagant love for God and for one another. This is what it really means to be a Christian. Being a Christian means getting up every morning and saying in your heart, Jesus, you are my Savior, you are my King, you are my treasure, my hope, my joy, my strength, my advocate, my protector. I need you. I love you. I trust you for all things this day. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be yoked to Jesus. And the yoke is easy, and the burden is light because... Even when he puts it on us, he carries the weight. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, this is the love of God. 
that we keep his commandments, that we stay under that yoke and they are not a burden. The difference between Jesus and the Pharisees is that Jesus gives us a far more heavy burden to bear. What's the burden? A cross every day? Oh, the burden that Jesus gives us is far heavier than what the Pharisees want to lay on us. And then he gives us his own blood-bought strength to bear it. That's why it's gentle. He's gentle and lowly in heart. There are certain weights in life you simply cannot carry. Not a day more. Your Lord is asking you to set them down and to trust him. He's in charge of the baggage now. When you're at the airport, if you're at BWI, the dad or the mom comes in and takes the heavy bag. And you've seen this. I've done this with Jonathan. A child helps to carry, thinks they're helping with the weight. And what's dad doing? Carrying the weight. They work in tandem. They're moving out to the car. But who's carrying that burden? Who's carrying your burden? Who's meant to carry the burden of those around you? You? Is it all on you? No. If you yoke up with Jesus and stop trying to work your way to heaven and simply rest in the free grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ, you will let your burdens down. Burdens you were never meant to carry. Now when we travel on a commercial airline, we're limited to two carry-on bags. For your faith to take flight, it's time to leave them all behind. It's time to let the baggage go. Let's pray. Lord God, easier said than done. Easier said than done. And so we rely on you Come, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit to take these burdens away. First, naming them for us, pointing them out, and then take them away that we may live freely in the abundant grace that you offer and walk as your disciples in your footsteps. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Friends, let's stand together and let's sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All the verses. Let's sing it all.
Please be seated, and let's go to prayer together. Loving Father, how thankful we are for your good gifts, for this invitation that we've heard this morning to lay down these burdens and to lay down the burden that is the root of them all. The idea that we are in control and that we are responsible for everything, that we are the masters of our universe. Lord, that is a, that is a lie. You are sovereign. You are in control. You are the one who can carry our burdens. And so we thank you for, for that great invitation and that blessing and all the blessings that you pour out upon us. We're so thankful for this church and this community in which we can bear one another's burdens, in which we, when we can rejoice with one another and weep with one another. And this morning we rejoice, Lord, that we are celebrating the birthday of Sandy Hutto and Sally Long. We rejoice and praise you and thank you for them, for their ministry among us, for their families. Lord, we pray you grant them a special day, and we pray that you would bring um, the impact students home safely. We thank you for the work you've been doing in their lives and in their hearts this week as they've been in Ocean City at this conference. We pray that you would impress upon their minds and hearts the things that you would have them know, that they would return transformed by your grace. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for, but we acknowledge that there is so much that is wrong in the world and there is so much that weighs on our hearts and that we seek to carry, but we want to lift it up to you in prayer this morning. And so for the things that are in the headlines that we are burdened by and that we grieve, we pray that you would intervene. We pray that you would intervene in places in the world where there is famine and despair and oppression. We pray especially this morning for the situation in Florida, for the family of Trayvon Martin, and for all those who, who, are, who are feeling the burden of that unjust death. We pray for your mercy and grace. Lord, we would ask that you would be near to those who are in need in our own congregation. Lord, there is someone who is looking for a buyer for their mother's home. We pray that you would provide that. Lord, there are some among us who are looking for places to live who are fearful about what will happen with our homes. We pray that you would comfort us with your sovereign hand, remind us of your provision and your care for us. Lord, we pray for some children among us who are having surgery tomorrow. We pray for our brother Garrett. We ask that you would guide the surgeons as they finish his um, procedure tomorrow. We pray for our brother Landon. We ask that you would guide his doctors as well, comfort their parents and Lord, restore them to full and complete health, we pray. Lord, some of us are carrying burdens of, of sickness. Some of us are carrying burdens of addiction. Some of us are carrying burdens of heavy sin. Some of us are carrying burdens of doubt and fear and worry. Some of us are carrying burdens of self-righteousness. We pray, Lord, that you would release our grip from these things that you would gently remove them from us so that we can live in the freedom 
that you desire for us as your sons and daughters. That we would know not only in our minds but in our hearts that we belong body and soul in life and death not to ourselves but to you, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. For at the cost of your own blood, you have set us free and you seek to protect us and guide us into eternal life, into your heavenly kingdom for which you invite us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.